Good morning. It is the 25th of January, 2024. And the we're now six or seven weeks after Fiducia Supplicans was issued. And we have had nothing but <clears throat> bad news for Cardinal Fernandez. Not that that's going to affect him any. There have been books upon books of his and articles that he has written, many of them, coming to light in recent days, recent weeks. More letters coming out from various bishops and cardinals, and now from other organizations too, exposing the document for what it is, that it's an evil, heretical document. And the it's good to see so many figures in the church, lay and Episcopal authority figures, taking a firm stand against it. That is good news. It means that we're not alone in thinking that this document is trouble. But often the question comes up when we go over these things is what's going to be done to him? And the answer is probably nothing. Remember, I, I mentioned yesterday in brief that he had, Cardinal Fernandez had received essentially the other part of the promotion that usually goes with being the, the prefect for the dicastery of the doctrine of the faith. And that is <clears throat> to be to sitting on the Commission for Christian Unity, for the, the Dicastery for Christian Unity, which is, <clears throat> excuse me, an important post in the Vatican dedicated to things like, well, ecumenical dialogue, working with all the very schismatic heretical groups on being nice to each other, since it seems like that organization doesn't actually work to end the Protestant schisms and their heresies, and does at least pay lip service to ending the East-West schism. So I'm not really sure what that organization does except have conversations and be nice to each other, but it has traditionally been part of the role for the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith prefect to be heavily involved at the Christian Unity Organization, which makes sense if you think about a doctrine chief working on ecumenical dialogue. And his promotion to that was announced in the last few days. So when, they ask, when you ask the question, is anything going to happen to him? So we go over these stories as we see now today, there is greater and greater resistance mounting. The answer to that question is probably nothing is going to happen to him. If anything, he is likely to gain more influence in Rome, despite the fact that you got word coming from some of the more conservative cardinals that they want to make sure that the next pope isn't like Fernandez. Well, we'll see. We'll we'll see how well they are, how good they are at organizing for the next conclave while following the rules of the conclave itself, which say you can't really organize anyway. Because it tends to be figures like that, the more conservative cardinals don't want to organize for the conclave. So we're gonna go right into our story here. And the first organization that comes to that came to mind for this was the John Paul II Academy for Human Life in the Family. Now, this is not to be confused with the Pontifical Academy for if, by, that goes by John Paul II's name, because you'll remember that organization was shut down by Francis, basically. It was he, he cleaned house, got rid of almost everybody important in that or in that uh, Pontifical Academy, and replaced them with secularists of the worst kind. This organization was founded in 2017 after Francis took the old Pontifical Academy that was named after John Paul II and transformed it into an organization dedicated to serving the same secular authorities that promote the Moloch ritual, which is what the Pontifical Academy was founded to oppose. And of course, those people who promote that evil 
their attempts to undermine society and what society is built on. Remember, Catholic social teaching tells us the fundamental building block of society is not the individual, it's the family unit. That is what the teaching of the church is. Now, back in 2017, Francis removed key players from the Pontifical Academy and replaced them with some rather truly wicked men and women dedicated to the ideology that underlies the spread of the Moloch ritual in society. This new academy has been all but forgotten in the West as John Paul II Academy since that time. It operates independently of Rome, presumably with the intent of maintaining the work of the old Pontifical Academy while waiting out Francis until such a time as a better pope comes along. And they may be waiting a while. But they've issued a statement calling for Francis to dismiss Cardinal Victor Manuel Fernandez. This is a probably about as influential a group of lay theologians and uh, some of the clerics that will be working for them that you're going to find in the church today. So we're going to go over their statement. It's really short. I mean, you can see this here. So the headline is John Paul II Academy for Human Life and the Family formally requests Pope Francis to dismiss Cardinal Victor Manuel Fernandez. Pretty straightforward. So here's their statement. The John Paul II Academy feels obliged to express its astonishment and perplexity that Cardinal Victor Manuel Fernandez has accepted the role of prefect for the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith, despite having in past decades written scandalous books of, a, uh, of an exciting nature, which border on uh, impure evil things, and which contain passages that clash with the traditional teaching of the church. In particular, his works, and then... Uh, his book on kissing and his other book on uh, mystical passion spirituality. Far from retracting the disgraceful passages that these works contain, Cardinal Fernandez has limited himself to stating that he would not have published them today and that he has prohibited their reprinting. The uh, mystical literature for which the Cardinal has particular propensity is one of the worst evils of our time to the extent that under the pretext of spirituality, it in reality does nothing but justify the worst excesses of the uh, upheaval of the flesh from the 1960s that is deeply corrupting our society and leading our youth to the abyss. Although all honest acts performed with good intentions are meritorious before God, the relations of the flesh in our present order of fallen nature are so linked to unruly concupiscence that generally they cannot constitute an object that awakens or elevates piety. Already during the pontificate of Pius XI, the Supreme Sacred Congregation for the Holy Office, that is what, that's the organization that Fernandez now heads. It's gone through several name changes, and now it's the Dicastery for the, doc, for the Doctrine of the Faith. But the Supreme Sacred Congregation of the Holy Office published an instruction entitled, in Latin, that I'm not, if you know my Latin, it's bad, <laughs> explicitly condemning the, the literature in question. So this is not the first time this kind of stuff has shown up in uh, Episcopal circles. In particular, works of those authors who, quote, do not fear to embellish the pasture of a sickly excitement with sacred things, mixing immodest loves with a certain piety towards God and an entirely false religious mysticism. The instruction explicitly states that no intention of the author can prevent, quote, that readers whose fragility is generally great, as is also great with their propensity to excitement as a result of the corruption of their nature, gradually caught in nets by the bait of these impure pages, are not twisted in their minds and depraved in their hearts. It is deplorable that almost a century after this instruction, lay Catholics should have to remind the prefect of the admonition of his own predecessor. Quote, let these litera literati learn once and for all that they cannot serve two masters, God and uh, that specific kind of excitement, religion and impurity. He who is not with me, said the Lord Jesus, is against me. 
They're certainly not with Jesus Christ, the writers who, through sordid descriptions, deprave good morals, which are the most authentic foundation of civil and family society. The scandalous episodes show that Cardinal Victor Manuel Fernandez does not have the necessary minimum qualifications required to fulfill the role of defender of the faith. For this reason, this academy formally asks the Holy Father to dismiss him and appoint in his place a competent theologian faithful to the moral teachings of the Church. Respectfully, yours in Christ, Dr. Thomas Ward, President of the John Paul II Academy. Now, there's a question that some people will probably have. I haven't even checked the chat yet. But a, a basic question that often comes to mind when we go over these kinds of stories is somebody invokes a, cl a classic pre-conciliar document that essentially was issued to have governing authority of some kind over the church. The question is, that always is asked, does that bind us today? And typically the answer is no. That's typically the answer because it would have been folded into the code of canon law. And it wasn't so. And even if it was there, how, how much does actual the rule of law matter in the current alleged pontificate in practice? How much does the current rule of law matter? And the answer to that question is it matters almost nothing. We have seen them toss out and ignore the rules on a lot of things, as I will show you here. Well, I was going to save this towards the end, but let me just show you this here now. So. This was shared by a LifeSite News uh, journalist, Michael Haynes. As you can see, we follow each other on Twitter, so disclosure, I guess. But here he says, from Rome, this happened yesterday. The Vatican's foreign minister and priest at the Secretariat of State Mass today used vestments featuring Father Rupnik's 2015-2016 Year of Mercy logo. The Mass was to mark the 200th anniversary of the passing of Master Diplomat and former Secretary of State, Cardinal Consalvi. And see, there, there you could see... Um, I'll have a link to this in my show notes today, the return to tradition.org. But you will, on their chests is the logo for that Father Rupnik made for the Year of Mercy 2015 2016. And somewhere I've got the bookmark from that. So it's got his typical weird artwork on it. And there, there's a, uh, he's got a screenshot of the Twitter account for that organization tweeting out images from that mass. And I, so I use that as an example to show you that in Rome these days, the rule of law does not matter because they are openly putting on display that they stand with Father Rupnik. They stand with him. It's everything you need to know. His artwork should be stricken from all the buildings it's in, from everything. And he should be in custody in the Vatican, but he's not. So we move on here now to the other interesting statements from, and this one comes from Cardinal Zen. Now I'm going to show you, I can't read that. <laughs> this is from his personal blog. I don't trust um, the Chrome extension for translating to do a good job of this, but I have a translation that I made myself using, but you, as you can see, yeah, that's a, it's a, written in his native tongue. I do have a translate. I do have a translated copy that I've made myself using the deep L translator, which you can call, which you can take, check out. I will put the copy of the text on in my show notes, probably about half hour, 40 minutes after this live stream is over. It'll be at return to tradition.org. If you want to read the full thing, so I'm not going to go over the full text of this, but Cardinal Zen has finally chimed in. Because he, he talks about a lot of things going on in his home country in the letter to begin with. It's specifically about fiducia supplicants. And it will ring pretty familiar to people. I mean, how many 
bishops in America have twisted themselves in knots to say, no, 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 this document is fine. It disregard that the most brilliant minds in the church, lay and ecclesia, all point out the same same thing, that the document is evil, right? So he spends a lot of time talking about what's going on in his home country there and the responses he's getting from laity and from the hierarchy in his country. And I'll say the pseudo-hierarchy because, as you know, in Cardinal Zen's country, the authorities, the secular authorities, established their own counter-church. And Francis, thanks to a deal made by Ted McCarrick, recognized them as the authentic church there. Again, if you are you have doubts about the validity of Francis, that's usually high on the list of reasons people have for pointing, that they point to as questioning his validity. Anyway, we're going to go here to, we'll, we'll go and, and go through a Cardinal Zen's letter here. So here's his letter translated to English, and I'll have it in my show notes today at my website. So it is precisely because of these responses, which continue to appear on the internet, that I've waited until now to decide to write some of my observations. Although I have no connection with the administration of the diocese, I still have a duty to defend the reasoning of the church. The statement of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith emphasizes repeatedly that no blessing should be misunderstood, that the church does not approve of the union in question of people of the same type or of a, or of people who are not in conformity with the church's beliefs as an alternative marriage. But the statement goes on to say that in certain circumstances, out of pastoral love, blessings may be given to double S types and to others living in irregular relationships. The lengthy quote statement leaves much to be desired and says that it will not be implement, interpreted any further. Pause there. That was the first thing that the Vatican backpedaled on. It was Cardinal Fernandez had opened Pandora's box with this statement up and ignited an international uproar that nobody saw coming. And if you don't believe me on that, my news video that's going live in about 35 minutes on this channel, it really goes into that. It's People are pointing out that this might be the biggest church divide in history that's, that's developing because of this. Anyway, so continuing. Many bishops and episcopal conferences, especially in Africa and Eastern Europe, have solemnly ordered priests not to perform such blessings. The prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith issued another statement on January 4th of this year, which on the one hand strongly denies that the statement of December 18th is contrary to ecclesiastical reasoning. On the other hand, recognizes that the bishops and episcopal conferences have reason to have certain doubts about it, and that it seems to them that they need a longer period of time to study it. They cannot permit priests to carry out the statement at the present time, which is something that the Holy See understands. This is tantamount to saying that the Declaration of December 18th is not valid for the time being. Under these circumstances, we can safely discuss the two statements, and I would like to contribute some of my views to the priests and brothers. One, we should first understand what the statements say. I do not know whether there, there are any of there any translations for in his native tongue of the Declaration of December 18th and January 4th. It seems to me that there are no such translations of the two declarations so far because of the lack of translators in the church in his area, Macau and Taiwan. These two statements are, in fact, very complicated. In the statement, it is said that blessing is either from the bottom up or from the top down. In fact, the word in his native language for from the bottom up is not a blessing at all, but a praise, while they, the word in his native tongue from the top down is a blessing. The word spontaneous in statement should not be translated as active because the opposite of active is passive, and an application for blessing is, of course, active. In this context, it seems that the word spontaneous should be translated as random, not specially arranged. In this case, it seems that spontaneous should be translated as random, not specially arranged, occurring naturally at an opportunity. The Declaration says, for example, to bless a pilgrimage group. 
It is neither possible nor necessary for a priest to clarify whether or not a pilgrimage group has, has people of the type living in an abnormal relationships of the flesh. What the statement discusses are the pairs or couples. And none of specifically arranged, they are clearly couples living in those relationships. The declaration says that when, the, when those in question ask for a blessing, they may also ask for God's favor and strength so that they may be able to do God's will in full. If this were true, then it would be easy for a priest to introduce them to the divine will. But here's the problem. The statement says that the priest is not supposed to examine them to see if they have any such intention. So how can a priest give a blessing if he or she is not sure that they have such an intention, or if there is reason to suspect that they do not have such an intention at all? Let's pause here. The priest is explicitly in the document not allowed to dig deep to see if the if the people requesting the blessing are looking to conform their lives to God's will. It's explicitly there. This is in every way an attempt to get the church to bless the pairing types in question, like the, the, the union that makes them a couple. That's the express purpose of the document. And here is what he's, he is getting that at that here. I'm going to remind you, Cardinal Zen has said himself that he's not, you know, a great theologian. He's just pointing out obvious things when he speaks. And this is one of those kind of obvious things that he's pointing out. He is more of a concern about pastoral things than the complex theology of things, even though there is a big intersection of the two, obviously. But here he is pointing out the obvious, that a priest is not permitted to dig into the intention behind the request. Think about that with all the images we've seen floating around social media of these blessings being performed. So three, the statement says that such blessings are given out of pastoral love, but doesn't scripture say that pastors are to protect the strong sheep, heal the wounded, and lead back those who have gone astray? The statement seems to say that they came as a pair and went back as a pair after the blessing. Doesn't that mean that they can, at least for the time being, continue to live in the wrong, meaning sinful way? Yes, that's what it means. In the gospel, there were times when people asked Jesus to heal them. But first he said, your sins are forgiven. His primary concern was to free people from their sins. And of course, he had already given them the grace to confess their sins. If the priest is not sure that the couple he's dealing with intends to live in a full observance of God's way of life, or if he is sure that they do not recognize that they are living in sin at all, should he not introduce them to God's will in the most loving manner? The impression given by such a blessing actually creates confusion. Quote, the statement emphasizes many times that the confusion should be avoided, but the blessings encouraged by the statement do in fact create confusion. The secular media will, of course, intentionally add to the confusion. Why doesn't the church, why doesn't the Holy See discourage James Martin type pastors such as James Martin or Sister Janine Gramic from intentionally creating confusion or simply failing to follow some of the rules instructed in the statement as Germany and certain other dioceses have done? Is it consistent with pastoral principles to create confusion on this important issue? Depends how you define pastoral. Because again, the document affirms the church's teaching verbally, but then gives instructions on breaking the church's teaching for pastoral reasons. It's a remarkable feature of the document that, and it's actually one of the key methods of the modernists, as we have seen by when I go over Pope St. Pius X's Pascendi Dominici Gregus document, his and papal encyclical on the methods of the modernists, and on modernism in general. One of their methods is to, to profess with their lips what the church teaches and then go and do things the church says not to do. And that's exactly what this document does. In many areas, especially in the fringe areas, often referred to by the Pope, the culture is strongly opposed to condoning or even legally penalizing the types in question. Is the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith really unaware of this? Five, most seriously, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith statement says that 
behavior of the flesh in these types of pairings has its goodness that it can progress and grow. Yeah, it does. The document does say that. It says the things that sacred scripture and magisterial tradition have said repeatedly crowd to heaven for justice has goodness in them that they can progress and grow. Take all the time you need to wrap your head around that logical statement. See if it makes any sense to you. So we continue with Cardinal Zen here saying, quote, Similarly, the Pope, more likely the prefect for the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, in his reply to the five cardinal questions, also said that double S uh, feelings is similar to marital <laughs> love. This is an absolute subjective error. That's a nice way of putting, saying that's heresy. According to objective truth, that behavior is a grave sin and can never be good. Pope Benedict said, quote, if there is no foundation in truth, love is an empty shell into which anything can be put. If the prefect for the doctrine of the faith is not committing heresy by claiming a serious sin is good, then shouldn't the prefect resign or be dismissed? This is a, probably a translation issue here. Probably what he means is if the prefect of the congregation for the doctrine of the faith is committing a heresy by claiming a serious sin is good, then shouldn't the prefect resign or be dismissed? I used the best internet translator I could. There's still problems there, but that's actually what makes more sense for him to say. Lastly, isn't the worldwide synod of bishops underway? It is hoped that the bishops will finally be able to debate these issues on their own without having to be led by the facilitators and reach unanimous conclusions under the leadership of the Holy Spirit at their meeting in October. The Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith's preemptive statement is in grave contempt for the office of the bishops, successors of the apostles, the brothers of the Pope. End quote. He's uh, more optimistic than I am, than any of us are, probably, about the coming final phase of the Synod of Sin. Um, I would dispute that's being led by the Holy Spirit, but, you know, I don't think the synod is actually valid. All right. So I'm just going to check here in the chat if there are any questions. This is your time to get them in. Uh, Roman says, I had to have a background check for a cashier's position. This guy gets a pass from Francis. Right. I mean, I would say he does. I mean, it's not that he gets a pass. It's not that Francis didn't know. Fernandez himself said Francis knew about his, his writings, and of course he did. Every indication is that he and Fernandez were very close and actually basically friends before Francis became before Bergoglio became Francis. That one of the first acts Francis did was make him a bishop when he had the first chance to. Um let's see. Will I watch the new Napoleon film that recently got released? Uh, probably not. They, they put front and center of the impurity in that film in the trailer. So probably not. And I haven't heard good things about it anyway. So this isn't like not believing Christopher Nolan put some of that kind of stuff in Oppenheimer because it was completely out of character for him to put it in there. Then finding out the fact was, right, this is, they put this in the trailer. <laughs> okay. Um, um, but yes, I will have... I will put this in my show notes today at returntotradition.org. Um, but again, for those of you who are joining us late, I want to bring show you the statement that I'm actually, the thing that I saw that was most surprising, and that was this. This comes from a LifeSite News reporter. Again, the Vatican's foreign minister and priest of the Secretary of State Mass today, meaning yesterday, used vestments featuring Father Rupnik's 2015-2016 Year of Mercy logo. They're holding a mass to mark the 200th anniversary of the passing of master diplomat and former secretary of state, Cardinal Consolvi. And they are all of them, everybody participating, including Pietro Perlin, who is often 
talked about as being a likely successor to Francis and being as bad as him in a lot of ways, along with some other rather high profile figures here are all wearing the symbol. One of the, one of the pieces of artwork, if you want to call it that, that um, father Rupnik made for the Vatican for the 2015, 2016 year of mercy. That's them declaring that for Rupnik Rupnik can do no wrong. According to the types in Rome now. All right, folks, if there's not anything, any other questions here in the chat, then I'm going to wrap this up. <coughs> As you can hear, my, uh, I'm not completely over that thing that I've been dealing with since fall. And it's just, you know, one of those kind of mornings. So um, prayers, please. I, today we get to find out if uh, my uh, minivan is going to get totaled out by the insurance company after I get it inspected today. Hooray. And uh, yeah, so some prayers to that would be great because I don't want to have to be on the hook for a car loan. Anyway, thank you very much, folks. Yes, yes, Marine, they actually did have a traditional mass at the Capitol. I, I didn't cover it because I didn't think it was that big, as big a news as everybody else thinks it was. But they did did that without the permission of um, Cardinal Gregory and without, which is, you know, a lot of uh, Francis's most strident supporters who stand in opposition to traditional Catholicism. They we were going off about this on social media. Maybe I'll do cover that in a live stream the next day or so. But they did that as a sort of a protest about some of the things that I'd covered in the news involving traditional Catholics and the uh, the powers that shouldn't be. Anyway, folks, will the Vatican actually get no? <laughs> they haven't been reprinted anyway, so I don't think they need to. And they uh, the index has been was famously done away with in the 1960s. So. There aren't exactly a whole lot of books of Vatican's prohibits for people. All right. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning in today. And uh, remember to pray for anybody we spoke about in a negative way today. If you, uh, especially if it, it if it incites sort of feelings in you that are less than virtuous. Uh, praying for those, the conversion of others is always a charitable act to do, especially the harder it is for you to do. But as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.